0: It's a Tuesday edition of the Fan Early Morning Show. I'm Austin Beck. Told please to be joined alongside with you here today, as we continue to get our football fix. Continue to just get excited. Get ready for this season that has already provided some good moments of I wouldn't say clarity, but positivity for what this Steelers offense. Could look like. And truly, if you look at just this team in general. Offense, defense, special teams. You have probably a little bit more questions on special teams. But offense, defense. Man, it looks good. There is a lot to be excited about. And I'm just saying that because you go out and you defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in game one of the preseason. Congratulations on all your success. But we did see what we wanted to see from the Steelers. Offense. Kenny Pickett won incompletion because he was scrambling away to try to avoid a sack. 70 yards passing through the air. And that was honestly kind of surprising from Friday's preseason game in Tampa Bay. How Kenny Pickett was just given free reign to take the training rules off and do whatever. You could clearly tell there was an emphasis on, we're going to let Kenny Pickett spin it. We're going to let him do whatever. Ever he wants to do at this point, within reason, obviously, and the Steelers want to get the ground game going, and we saw a little bit of Najee Harris, just a couple carries, more so a lot more of Jalen Warren, which you would expect in a preseason game after Najee Harris was injured last preseason and basically limped into the regular season and was ineffective for half the year before he finally got healthy and then looked like, arguably, a top ten running back down the stretch when the Steelers needed him the most after a two and six start, Najee was good, and he was helping to power this team to the finish that the Steelers ended up with, still over five hundred. And I know that that's something that is daunting to a lot of people. The Steelers having to finish over five hundred, Mike Tomlin's win loss record, and all the sorts. When you look at the Steelers in general. And I'm not so much focusing on the offensive line, but let's do that just for a second. Dan Moore, Isaac Sayamalo, Mason Cole, James Daniels, Jukes Okorafor. Okay, I like the interior of that line. Mason Cole is starting to really grow on me even more. Stability in the inside with James Daniels as well, who was very efficient. And really, when you don't get penalized, it's a great thing, especially from a right guard. And the Steelers have a tendency to run that side a lot. Sayomalo on the left side will be able to sure up some help for Dan Moore, but also for Broderick Jones, who in the first preseason game played a ton but just looked okay. I wasn't blown away by Broderick Jones. I was not very pleased to see in the fourth quarter with Tanner Morgan in there who fumbled the football, it got overturned, the Steelers got the ball back, and then immediately threw an interception. Not a great outcome for the camp arm for the Steelers' fourth quarterback Tanner Morgan from Minnesota. But Broderick Jones ended up getting beat clearly right off the line. Tanner Morgan had no shot and got smashed by the defender for Tampa Bay after Jones really just got absolutely destroyed. But other than that, he looked pretty solid. There wasn't any moment in time where I said, "Wow, Roderick Jones is really showing that he belongs over Dan Moore. It was also his first time experiencing pro football. But it's also a little bit alarming to see that happening when he is the 14th overall pick. The Steelers traded up to go get him. And at this point in time, Dan Moore looks like the better player. But that's why we still have two more preseason games to go. And a lot of time until the regular season in September. Chooks a core for it. Right tackle. Could you see the Steelers move Dan Moore over there? I don't think so at this point in time. It's likely going to be Chooks. Until the Steelers feel like. He just doesn't give it. Give them the chance on the right side. To be able to hold up. And I think that they still believe that he can. So. Skill position guys. This team's loaded. They're deep. I don't remember the Steelers having this much depth on offense, and on defense that they have this year. Now, is the quality of player, is it top-heavy? No. This is not Le'Veon Bell with D'Angelo Williams and at wide receiver Antonio Brown with Martavis Bryant and Eli Rogers, who was a little bit of an underrated slot guy, and fill in the blank on whoever else was in there helping out on the offensive side of the ball. It was mostly just A, B, and then who's going to emerge as the second guy? Well, It's Deontay Johnson, but you might even say that George Pickens is a better wide receiver. I think George Pickens is a better wide receiver than Deontay Johnson. Already at this point, Deontay Johnson is getting paid as the number one, but George Pickens should be looked at as the number one guy. Depending on who you talk to, Johnson might have more receptions, but George Pickens is going to be the big play guy. But then you got Calvin Austin, and I tell you what, this, we're led to believe that Mac Canada's offense is based on a little bit of running the football, gadget plays, trying to get some guys out in space, and speed, speed, speed. Calvin Austin is the epitome of what the Mac Canada offense can look like. Now, does anybody truly know what the Mac Canada offense in the NFL looks like? No? Yes? I don't think so. If Matt Canada didn't have one very successful season at Pitt, would he be the Steelers' offensive coordinator? Probably not, but that's not here nor there. He has the potential to use so many of these guys in so many different ways, including two tight end formations, because the Steelers have three really good tight ends. Pat Fryermuth, Darnell Washington, who is more so of a blocker, but when you're 6'7", and absolutely dominant, in terms of being able to use your size as a run blocker, plus Zach Gentry, who when I was standing on the sideline of the Steelers training camp, is a little bit taller than Darnell Washington. And then you have Connor Hayward, who's being utilized as the fullback right now, H-back, tight end, special teams. The Steelers are going to keep four tight ends, with the distinction of Connor Hayward being a tight end and a fullback. And then at running back, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, where you feel confident enough that Jalen Warren could be your number one. Jalen Warren continues to grow on me. His toughness, his fight, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He just hits the hole and goes. He's a tough runner. He's not a big guy. He's undersized for the running back position, but you can't tell. He just mauls over people when he has the opportunity to be able to do so. And I like some of the other options that the Steelers have. Calvin Austin can be so dynamic for this offense. He can be... He can provide something that this offense really has not seen in years. Someone with 4-4 speed who can beat you over the top. We saw it 67-yard passing. Touchdown Mason Rudolph to Calvin Austin where he just beat his defender cleanly. Calvin Austin just practically ran past the defender... When Mason Rudolph threw the ball up for him, he wasn't even past the defensive back. But Calvin Austin just ran under the football. Mason Rudolph, he just, once a training camp, once a preseason, sometimes once a preseason game, has the tendency to just be able to drop one in the bucket and look like the first-round grade that the Steelers had on him. That was the play to Calvin Austin. And then there's Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has so much to work with this year. He has a ton to be able to bank on in his second year compared to year one. With George Pickens in his second season, Calvin Austin healthy, a second full year of Jalen Warren after nobody knew what he would be last year. Hell, did anybody even think he'd make the roster? The way that he performed in training camp, yes, he would. But the way that he has emerged as an undrafted free agent to play at times better than Najee Harris, your first-round pick from Alabama, Someone who was explosive and was a can't-miss type of guy, right out of college, it was either him or Creed Humphrey, and depending on who you ask, a lot of people at the station wanted the Steelers to take Creed Humphrey, a lot rejoiced over Najee Harris, now it's mixed results, mixed feelings, Creed Humphrey probably would have been the better selection at this point, even though I'm still somebody who is an advocate for Najee Harris, who I think can be a thousand yard back and also 500 yard pass catcher as well. I have that much faith that Najee Harris is able to go. I think Najee Harris can have 1,500 scrimmage yards this year. It helps playing 17 games instead of 16 games, which at this point is the new model standard, and girly comparisons probably aren't too far in between from what they were from when it was Ben Roethlisberger's era and Antonio Brown, and especially when Le'Veon Bell was playing and how many yards would he receive over the air compared to the ground. But Dan Orlovsky, ESPN analyst, was complimentary of Kenny Pickett, but you know, what's so important during the offseason and as we begin the regular season? It's lists and it's grades. And Dan Orlovsky said Kenny Pickett had a great game, but he didn't give him an A. How about Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh? What grade does he get? Yeah, I'm going to give Kenny Pickett plus. the The West Coast offense that they're running really suits him well thought he threw really well on the run also. And Greeny, let me say this. The connection between him and George Pickens, woo, buddy. I mean, it mm-hmm. looks a lot like what Andy Dalton and A.J. Green used to be with the Bengals. And it's very interesting because if they get going in that way, the Steelers' offense and team changes a lot. B-plus. Very impressed by Kenny Pickett again. First of all, I don't want to hear anybody convince me that a combination of, well, I don't want to hear anybody compare Kenny Pickett to Andy Dalton. What did Andy Dalton accomplish with the Cincinnati Bengals that Joe Burrow hasn't already accomplished? Joe Burrow has accomplished more with the Bengals on his rookie contract than Andy Dalton did at any of any point in time with the Cincinnati Bengals at all. But that's not at all what Orlovsky is getting at. What he's trying to say is that the connection between Pickett And pick-ins can be what Dalton and A.J. Green was. And we know how good A.J. Green was. Spent some time with Arizona before ultimately hanging it up. But when he was with Cincinnati, pro bowler, all-pro type of player, dominant force for the Bengals. But why didn't Dan Orlovsky just say something like, it could be Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase or Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs? or Tua to pick your poison, Tyreek Hill, or Jalen Waddle. Now, I don't want to overanalyze this too much. I don't think Dan Orlovsky was making this so much of a comparison to Kenny Pickett against Patrick Mahomes or Allen or Burrow, or I don't want to throw Tua into that mix, but Justin Herbert with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. As it was more so just chronicling the division, the AFC North, and the last big-time duo that we've seen that lasted for a long period of time. Will that be the case with Cincinnati? Joe Burrow needs to be paid. Jabbar Chase will need to be paid. Will Cincinnati pay T. Higgins? Cincinnati hasn't paid a lot of people regardless. And if you're going to want to keep everybody together, Joe Mixon... Tyler Boyd, who's gotten paid, when Joe Burrow will need his money, when Jamar Chase will need his money, and T. Higgins coming up. A B-plus for Kenny Pickett? What did did he do wrong to deserve a B-plus? Now, at the same time, everybody grades on a different scale. An A-plus for some people is different than what it means for others. In my mind, Kenny Pickett had an A performance. 70 yards passing. No mistakes. The one incompletion was avoiding a sack to the point where Chuke's of 4 got mauled off the line. He hit George Pickens on a perfect ball right out of his break with the pressure collapsing in on him to be able to help set up Pickens to make one move and get into the end zone. He was firing... Outside with ease on third and long. Pickett escaped out to the right, far side of the field, connected with Deontay Johnson on a perfectly thrown ball. It could have been a little bit more to the sideline, but that's just being completely and utterly nitpicky. That that's the first that's one of the first things that came to my mind when I saw that pass from Pickett to Deontay Johnson is yeah, that was a pretty good thrown ball. It could have been a little bit more. To the sideline. But with Kenny Pickett on the run. He was throwing near side of the field. But still. It was a perfectly placed ball. Where maybe it could have moved over another. Inch or two. To the sideline. To make sure that no defensive back jumped the route. But it was right where Deontay Johnson liked it. Where he could catch. Still make a move if he needed to. To be able to get the first down. But still had plenty of room. Maybe about a yard. Yard and a half. Past the sticks. So for me, Kenny Pickett gets an A. For Dan Orlovsky, he gets a B B+. But Orlovsky is probably grading on a higher scale where Patrick Mahomes is the model standard of an A+. And everybody else kind of follows in line. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't look too much into what the grades were because Orlovsky was saying, very impressed with what Kenny Pickett did. And I think everybody should. Now, it was only one drive against backups. I get that. And people should take that with a grain of salt. That it was just one drive. But still, we'd be complaining if the Steelers offense went out there. Oh, three and out. Matt Canada's offense. Oh, they look rusty. Uh, oh, Kenny Pickett went one for three. He could have been C.J. Stroud out there who went two for four, an interception, and a sack. Who looked horrendous. Bryce Young is the better quarterback in that class compared to C.J. Stroud. But that's not here nor there. Kenny Pickett, who was the first quarterback taken in his draft class in 2022, is by far the best quarterback in his class. As Malik Willis looks like, I mean, I don't even know what to think of Malik Willis. I didn't like him out of college, but with Tennessee, it's just a mess to the point where they drafted Will Levis, who continued to fall in the draft. The the draft room, the, the, the quarterback room in Tennessee is a disaster. But the quarterback room in Pittsburgh has Kenny Pickett who continues to get better and continues to start to show more and more that you like. He looks confident. He looks poised in the pocket. He just looks excited to be out there. Mike Tomlin talked a lot after the game. We'll hear a little bit more of what he had to say coming up, including what a former Steelers linebacker had to say about the team's overall performance, but also what he thinks this team can be In the 2023 season as national love continues to build. Local love is somewhat there. And the Steelers, it's football season. It's time. Steelers continue to get this love. And I cannot wait until the preseason game against the Buffalo Bills at Ackershire Stadium this coming weekend. The Wake Up Show is presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply at 84Lumber.com. Coming up, Mike Tomlin's comments. And much more. What did this one Steeler linebacker have to say about the team? And Kenny Pickett? That's up next. Fineroy Morning Show. I'm Austin Bexel, 937 The Fan. Fineroy Morning Show. I'm Austin Bexel with you too. Just the fault of my own. I tend to be too overly optimistic about the Pirates. I don't know if that's the baseball lover in me. If it's the fact that I grew up with the 13, 14, 15 teams. Making the playoffs and all the greatness that came with baseball on the North Shore at the right time to grow up as a Pirates fan. But... I'm starting to get very concerned with one starting pitcher for the Buccos. This starting pitcher, since debuting, has made six starts. He has allowed 28 earned runs, according to our own Josh Roundtree, in 27 and a third innings. 27 and a third innings. He's gone 10 innings without a 1-2-3 frame, and at least one run is scored in 11 of the last 16 innings he's pitched. Who is this Mystery starting pitcher for the Buckos? Yeah, it's their number one pitching prospect, Quinn Priester. Before Paul Skeens was drafted, Priester entered the game last night with his slider being hit at a 467 clip. Now his curveball's been good, 182. So you would imagine, all right. So Priester definitely went heavy on his curveball. He only throws his fastball 93 to 95. It tops out at 95, and it doesn't get there very often. So you think that he probably, you know, rightfully thinking, he had to have thrown the curveball a lot more than the slider. Right, Austin? That just makes sense. Well, he didn't. He didn't in even a close capacity. Quinn Priester, who, again, 467 is what opponents are hitting on his slider, 182 on the curveball. Quinn Priester threw 36 sliders in five innings. He threw nine curveballs. Nine. If you have a pitch that's getting hit under the Mendoza line, why are you throwing that more than what hitters are seeing as a beach ball coming in at over 450? And that's just what throws me off about the Pirates and the philosophies of pitching and What they wanted to do, it was pitch backwards with the idea for Ray searage of ground balls, ground balls, ground balls in a world that became heavy strikeout based as opponent hitters were striking out so much and pitchers were looking for power stuff and just throwing your best pitch. Let me ask you this. What is Quinn Priester's best pitch? It probably is his curveball, but why is he only throwing it nine times in five innings? When he gave up six runs on the day. Quentin Priester's ERA. It's just. It's mind boggling to think. That somebody who is a 2019 first over 1st round pick. And somebody that was picked out of the high school ranks. That the Pirates have developed. He's looked solid. He was good throughout the entire minor leagues. Until this season. Half the year spent in now. To, in, in AAA. With Indianapolis. He just did not look like the same pitcher. Now, the jump from AA to AAA, it's not always that much to grasp in terms of talent. A lot of the top prospects are in A and just spend a cup of coffee in AAA. You find a bunch of 4A players in AAA baseball, guys that can't stick in the major leagues but are still good enough to be able to perform well. In minor league baseball, to be at the upper echelon of minor league baseball. Think about Miguel Andujar, who's hitting 355 in minor league baseball. It calls up to the Pirates, and he'll occasionally, here nor there, drive in a couple of runs, but strikes out too much. And where do you play him defensively? That's been another problem with the Pirates. They should have called up Miguel Andujar by now, but that's not at all. The point that it makes about Quinn Priester, who's a first-round pick, someone that the Pirates need to depend on. Quinn Priester going in the next season needs to be your number three. Right now... the most disappointing disappointing arms on this team continues to multiply. At first, it was Rwanzi Contreras, who now has just continued to disappear. He's in AAA now, trying to work his way back. It's like an Alec Manoa situation. Manoa, who was a Cy Young finalist last season, is again in the minor leagues. He was in A-ball. He was in rookie league ball, just trying to figure it out. And the Pirates did a similar thing with Rwanzi Contreras to try to figure everything out that they needed to do. But, To no avail. So I'm concerned about Quinn Priester. There's a lot to talk about there. He needs to be right up there with Paul Skeens and Mitch Keller next year in your rotation. Paul Skeens is pitching tonight in Bradenton. And Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette reported, as something that Ben Charrington said on his radio show, that Paul Skeens is only going to pitch fewer than 20 innings this year. But I'm excited for all 20. And you can watch on MILB.com tonight. Through MLB Pipeline, Paul key to start. Coming up next, we'll get to the Steelers and what this one Steeler linebacker had to say about the team. I'm Austin Bechtold, Fan Early Morning Show. Fan Early Morning Show, I'm Austin Bechtold with you on this wonderful Tuesday because football is in the air. The football fix in full effect. It's just so exciting because as the Pirates continue to lose and continue to just fall in the standings and – More so the wild card race. And what I mean by that is just the National League standings as the Buccos, number one pick last year. Number one pick this year, really, to pick Paul Skeens, but earned from last year's end result after winning the first ever draft lottery. First overall pick in 2021 to select Henry Davis. Buccos, yeah, it's not great. Currently tied for last place in the NL Central with the St. Louis Cardinals, Pirates have not finished ahead of the Cardinals since 1999 in the standings. So that might be something to play for. It really is something to play for. But right now, Pirates, St. Louis, Washington Nationals tied for second to worst in the National League, and then there's the Colorado Rockies at 46 and 73. Yeah, they're pretty bad, but not as bad as the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals. Oakland 33 and 86, 33 and 86 for Oakland. Man. The Atlanta Braves are 76 and 42. Kansas City Royals are 39 and 81. But let's get back into what Mike Tomlin was talking about earlier this week. It was after the Steelers game against Tampa Bay. And he talked about two of the guys that I've kept my eyes on so much it's Broderick Jones, it's Calvin Austin. Broderick Jones, right now, the second string left tackle after being selected 14th overall. Gave gave him a big exposure. I like his demeanor. I like how he finished. We'll comb through it specifically and look at hand usage and how he mixed up his protections and some of the things that are very technical that are a major component of this level of play. Nothing flashy there from Tomlin on the first round pick for the Steelers this year. Someone that, look, the Steelers are going to depend on Broderick Jones at some point this year. But it's likely probably not going to be in the first three weeks. You could see him potentially come in as a swing tackle, maybe just to get him some reps in live game action in the regular season, but the Steelers have a potential firestorm on their hands against who they're facing off against the first three weeks in terms of pass rushers. Week one, you got to go up against Nick Bosa. Yeah, that's a defensive player of the year. Week two, in primetime Monday Night Football, Miles Garrett, who some people think is better than TJ Watt, which is nonsense, but still... Miles Garrett is a top five, top three pass rusher in all of football. And then you got to play in Vegas in prime time again against Max Crosby, another stout pass rusher for Vegas, but and also the entire NFL. Max Crosby is fantastic. So you're likely gonna see Dan Moore hold that position right now and Broderick Jones work his way into it. Now, Calvin Austin is someone who excites me to more extents than really anybody else in this offense, not named George Pickens, because it's, one, the unknown, and it's, two, the factor of him in jet sweeps. Uh, There is a fear factor of jet sweeps that Matt Canada is just going to continue to run him over and over and over again. I'm okay with a jet sweep a game, as long as it's timed right. But Calvin Austin also had a 67-yard passing touchdown reception from Mason Rudolph could be explosive in this offense. You know, it goes beyond just the flatline speed, man. And at this level, when it's good on good – Speed doesn't win. Speed in combination with know-how and skills relative to your position. And some of those skills relative to his position have been, one, being able to utilize that speed that Tomlin downplayed a little bit, but just being able to have a nose for how to run routes, go across the middle, and just beat your guy. And that's what Calvin Austin was able to do. And that's something that we've seen numerous times in training camp, just running past people. But also being able to put a move on somebody to be able to utilize that and still utilize just pure route running to his advantage. Now, Ryan Shazier will hear more from what Ryan Shazier had to say, but just a little bit of a tease for later in the fan morning show, Ryan Shazier, former Steelers linebacker before his tragic injury, the former first round pick from Ohio state said, quote, I think Kenny is going to have a breakout season. This was talking to the PM team yesterday, a sec, a season, A season like a lot of the great quarterbacks in the NFL had in their second season, like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to say he's going to win MVP, but he's going to play at a really high level that allows this offense to put points on the board. I mean, that's encouraging from someone who's around the Steelers constantly as much as Ryan Chazier is. And it just continues to add more and more and more and more in a world full of negativity. So much around the Steelers this year has been positive in the buildup for this team. I mean, everybody, there's no contract disputes going into this season. Alex Heisman was signed before a week before training camp. Mike Tomlin did not get an extension. That seems like water under the bridge, something that's a non factor at all that still has two years on his deal left. I'm in favor of letting Tomlin play out this year and then give him an extension, depending on what happens this season. But right now, there's just nothing but positive vibes for the Steelers. When when was the last time you could say that? It's great. It's something very opportunistic for this team. And it's time now for the Steelers to show what this positivity is going into the final two preseason games and into the regular season. I'm Austin Bechtel. This is the Fan Early Morning Show. The Fan Morning Show is coming up next with the pre-show here on Sports Radio 937 The Fan.